It's time for the Smart Money Questions Podcast with Matt Hausman. This is the show that provides you with a sound financial education and helps you avoid financial pitfalls. Make sure you are asking the right questions by listening to the Smart Money Questions Podcast. Hey, everybody out there. How is it going? And for me, it's going really well because this is one of my favorite times of year. If you've been listening to me for a while, we've got college football going now, full swing. NFL just started. Um, We got the end of uh, baseball coming, looking at the postseason. The fall is one of my favorite times of year, especially later or into October, November, because then you have college and pro football getting interesting. You have uh, postseason baseball, the playoffs, and then eventually the series. You got March Mad or not March Madness. You got Midnight Madness, which is the beginning of college basketball, and then of course you have preseason professional hockey and uh, NBA ball that then goes. On. I don't actually know when they start their their season, but I do know that they'll be in they'll be in preseason mode um, in October. So great if you're a sports fan. Now is um, one of the best times of year. It is unfortunate because I am a big football fan. Uh, not that I'm a Jets fan, but I was I was sad to see what happened to Aaron Rodgers on that first Monday night. I know the rest. I'm pretty sure the rest of the league was. No one wanted that to happen. It's unfortunate season-ending injury, and I was looking forward to watching him play. Hopefully he was going to be able to help the Jets do something they haven't done in a long time, which is win. <laughs> but, hey, that's the way – that's football, man. That's for sure. But, um, listen, what I want to do today is, uh, in case you didn't listen back in, like, August and July, is we had a, an event with clients and guests, uh, an educational event at the end of August. We covered a lot of subjects. We actually had a guest there. We had Jennifer Walker, who is an estate attorney who got up and spoke for a little while talking about estate do's and don'ts. But one of the things, the feedback I got from many that night were we did cover a lot of information. Many times, you know, sometimes we know I can talk fast. And so we go over that today. So this is going to be the information again that we addressed on August 24th at our event. As you're listening to this, if something maybe doesn't click, you don't quite understand it, or how does this pertain to my personal situation, do me a favor, make sure to reach out to us, schedule a time to call, come in the office, what have you, speakwithmatt.com, again, www.speakwithmatt.com, or just give us a call, 610-719-3003. We'll be more than happy to schedule a time, go over, answer the questions. If there's anything that you have questions about regarding your, uh, your own situation, we'll make sure that we address that as well. But listen, before I jump into this, Let's make sure we deal with the disclaimer. Please don't take any of the information or ideas or suggestions that I offer in today's show as direct advice for you. Please use it as information and education that you then can discuss with your advisor. Now, if you don't have an advisor or you would like for us to be your advisor, I'm more than happy to have that conversation with you. And it's real simple. All you have to do is go to www.speakwithmatt.com. That's www.speakwithmatt.com. And my online scheduler is right there. You can go right in. 
you can schedule a 15 or 30 minute phone conversation. And quite frankly, at the end of that first call, we're going to have a good idea. Does it make sense to have a second conversation? So again, very low key, go right into the online scheduler. You don't even have to get on the phone with anyone to schedule this. So again, speakwithmat.com, www.speakwithmat.com and schedule it there. So, all right, let's go ahead and get on to today's show. All right, so let's jump into this. Now, some of this stuff I've already spoke about this year, but I'm going to go back and go over it anyway. It's always good to listen to. And um, so here's going to be the subjects we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about reviewing the recently signed or implemented Secure Act 2.0. It was signed with that massive, I don't know, 14,000-page bill that they signed right at the end of the year, and they snuck in the Secure Act 2.0. We're going to go over that and specifically how it is going to change certain aspects of your retirement accounts and also, most importantly, for your heirs when they inherit those. We're also going to talk about the SECURE Act addressed if you're still working, catch-up provisions, Roth 401k and Roth 403b opportunities, those type of things. We're going to make sure to address that as well. Also going to talk about estate do's and don'ts. I'm going to recap some of the things that Jennifer spoke about, some of the questions that I specifically had for her. And um, you guys hear me talk about it all the time, estate planning and coordinating it in your overall financial plan is extremely important. You want to make sure that whatever whatever you're wanting to have happen with your assets is that you are coordinating it between legal documentation, if and when needed, along with uh, your, your actual financial assets, monetarily, investments, life insurance, uh, 401k, savings, checking, all of that stuff. We're going to talk about that as well. We're also going to talk about we need to be aware that the current tax code is going to be, if they don't make any changes, they meaning, you know, all those wonderful yahoos down in DC, (laughs) unless they can come to an agreement, the current tax code for you and me personally is going to sunset at the end of 2025. And what happens is it's going to revert back to what the taxes were in 2017. Now, I'm going to try and describe this, but one of the things I spoke about uh, and actually showed is I showed the existing tax brackets as they are today, and if no changes are made, what they will likely look like when we go back to the 2017 tax code. And I'm going to tell you right now, it is apparent that everyone's taxes are going to go up in the event that happens because there there's automatic step-ups that are in higher brackets than what we currently have. So we're going to talk about that, and then we're also going to talk about the current investment climate. What does it look like, and what has it looked like in 2023? What can it be looking forward? Some of the communication I've had this last summer with clients, um, whether they're concerned about the market, hey, what do you think about this, what have you? going to talk about that as well. So first of all, let's deal with the SECURE Act. So uh, the SECURE Act, the first one went into effect uh, in January of 2020. Then they, uh, again, SECURE Act 2.0 went into effect beginning January 1 of 2023. One of the biggest things that happened uh, beginning this year is that they moved the minimum distribution age to the age of 73. Now, this is if you, we're talking about your personally owned retirement accounts. Last year, it was 72 because that's what they did in the original 
Secure Act. Now it is 73. Then it's going to move all the way to 75 beginning in the year 2033. So that's a big thing to understand. The one thing to realize about the minimum distribution is I had someone in the office today, like how in the world do they calculate? What they do is they take all of your uh, pre-tax retirement accounts. This does not include Roth IRAs. Okay, this is all your pre-tax IRAs, traditional 401ks, traditional 403bs, 457s, what have you, pre-tax dollars. And they look at every account you have, whether it's one or 10, and they take a snapshot on the value of what that is at the end of the year. And then the following year, if you are of minimum distribution age, you now have to take a percentage of that, which is based on your age. As you get older, uh, the percentage increases because it is based on life expectancy. And it's really important that you take that. Now, one of the things they addressed in the Secure Act 2.0 was the penalty for not taking a minimum distribution before was 50% of what you were supposed to take. If you were supposed to take 10 grand, your penalty was five grand plus the taxes on the 10 grand. Well, now what they've done is they've actually reduced that down to 25% if you don't take it, but you get some relief in the event that you actually refile taxes, take that distribution, then you do that within two years, then that penalty goes down from 25 down to 10%. But the reality is what you want to recognize is don't miss minimum distributions. <laughs> it's really important because even, I mean, who wants to pay a 10% penalty? So it's real important to make sure that you understand, again, the tax buckets that you have and what are the requirements for that. So again, minimum distribution age moved from 72 to 73 beginning in this year. Now, the other thing that's really important that happened that they changed, or I should say this, they didn't change it. This was part of the original Secure Act. But what the IRS did finally come out and give guidance to, of course, just like it's the government, it took them almost two years to do it, is late last year, fourth quarter of last year, the IRS came out and said that for non-spousal inherited IRAs, so I'm talking about your heirs now, right? not a spouse, is that they're going to fall under, this is for anyone that inherits an IRA or 401k or 403b. This includes Roths, by the way, that in the event that they are inheriting that from someone who passed away after 2020, if you are sitting on an inherited IRA that the person passed away in 2015, you're under the old rules, the old stretch rules. These are the new rules. So if you inherit an IRA from someone that passed away, again, after 2020, now there's two requirements that you have. First of all, you're going to have to take a minimum distribution every year based on your age. That's number one. Same penalties apply if you don't take it. But the other thing is, is now they implemented what they're calling the 10-year rule. What in the world does that mean? That means that for the next 10 years, not only do you have to have a minimum distribution received or taken out of that account, but all of the money has to be gone out of that account in 10 years. You can only stretch it now for 10 years. That's a big, big difference. Uh, many heirs... When they inherit those type of those type of assets, many times they're in their high highest earning years, and so the taxes are really going to get eaten up. But again, minimum distribution is required every year. The ten year roll goes into effect, which means it has to be completely depleted. And most importantly, is that you cannot commingle these funds with your own 
IRA or your own 401k or 403b, what have you. It has to go in to a designated inherited IRA. Sometimes institutions, financial institutions, will call them a beneficiary IRA. But basically what they're going to do is they're going to take the information of the original owner, date of uh, birth, date of death, and then that is going to determine what side of the IRS rules. Am I under the new SECURE Act uh, 10-year rule? Or if I've already had it for quite a while or the person died before 2020, I'm under the old stretch rule. So again, very important that you, and especially if you're going to inherit, I was on the phone with a, a client today that just inherited an IRA from um, a family member that had passed away after 2020. So that means they're under the new, the new 10-year rule. Real important because, again, the penalties are still in effect at 25% if you don't take an RMD, which, by the way, at the end of the 10 years, whatever is not taken out of there is considered a minimum distribution, which means the entire balance, if there's anything left in that account, is going to be subject to that 25% penalty plus the taxes on whatever was supposed to be taken. Same rule applies as if you make that, if, if you correct it, file an amended, have that hit your tax return, that can, that 25% penalty can be reduced to, um, to 10%. Hey everyone, a little interruption, Matt Hausman here. If you would like to speak to me directly, make sure that you know that you can go right to my online calendar, speakwithmatt.com. Again, www.speakwithmatt.com. You can either schedule a conference call right there, a Zoom call, or if you'd like to come into the office, feel free to do that. You can also reach us directly at 610-719-3003. All right, everyone, back to the show. The other thing that they did is they, this is for people that are still working, they created a higher catch-up contribution option for those that are ages 60 through 63. This begins in January of next year, January of 2024. Now they can actually, or the catch-up can be up to $10,000. Right now, if you're over the age of 50, in this year, your catch-up contribution is $7,500. One thing that was part of the SECURE Act that uh, they put into place is if you are a high earner, meaning that you make over 145000 in earnings a year, so again, that's a W-2, is that you were f- going to be forced to put that into the Roth side of a 401k. You couldn't do the pre-tax side. Well, the IRS, a couple days after I gave the event, came out and they are giving a suspension of that. through the end of 2025. There were a lot of 401k uh, companies that are providing the 401k and or 401k providers that said, hey, listen, we're going to need some time to catch up to be able to uh, administrate this. So the IRS did relieve uh, relieve them for the first uh, two years. But then beginning in 26, if you are making over that amount of money, that catch-up contribution is going to have to go into the Roth side. Now, the other thing they did is beginning next year, they actually removed the requirement of a minimum distribution that comes out of a Roth 401k or Roth 403b. Yes, that's right. If you left your money in there, your Roth money was subject to an RMD and it was forced to come out. Beginning next year, that is no longer 
going to be the case. Uh, I'm not going to run through these other ones, but if you have any questions about them, they, they dealt with qualified charitable distributions regarding your RMDs. That is a way for ha- to have, if you don't need the RMD and you want to give to a charity, you can give to that charity. And not only is it non-taxable to you, it is non-countable with regards to your Medicare premiums. It doesn't go into that. They did some changes to the qualified longevity annuity contracts that can help take a certain amount of money and push it out until the, I believe, the age of 85, so it's not subject to that percentage of minimum distribution. They created automatic enrollment and planned portability programs for those that are still working. They created emergency savings with regards to how they could, how clients or how participants could save inside a 401k and still have access to that. They also increased the exemptions of when you could take money out of those plans and they were not subject to the, uh, the 10% penalty. They created a really cool thing with regards to student loan debt to where if you have employees that are contribute or they're paying off student loans, the employer has the option of then being able to encourage them to still save to put money in as a match into their 401k or 403b plans. The last thing they did is with regards to a 529 plan is if you have an old 529 plan, now it has to be 15 years or older, is that up to $35,000 of that 529 plan can be converted to a Roth for the beneficiary of that 529 plan. So those are just, I I just realized I'm going a little long on that, but that's just some of the things that were addressed with the SECURE Act. If you have questions about that, how is it going to pertain to you? Please reach out to us, speakwithmat.com, schedule a time to talk. Now this is comes into the estate plan. And this is when Jennifer came up and, and talked and talked about, you hear me talk all the time about wills, power of attorneys, uh, she, she mentioned it, power of attorney, you want to have an agent for you and a successor agent in the event that person can't, isn't able to act on your behalf for whatever reason. The other thing she talked about, living will, medical directives, and a trust. She addressed very well the aspect of exactly what a will is, exactly what a trust is. When does it come into play? And the other thing that I asked her, which I think is important for everyone to, if you're in this situation, you need to either reach out to an estate attorney, whether it was the one that drafted it for you. But years before, before 2020, a lot of uh, estate attorneys, they would utilize a beneficiary IRA trust. And that was because they could write that language. They create the trust account for their heirs. It is a beneficiary IRA, and the rules back then, especially under the old stretch rules, were much different. And I was, uh, she was helping explain to, from a question that I had on a current client where they had done the trust back in 2017, and because they had never changed, I, I believe the word that Jennifer used was you want to have patch language added because of these new rules around IRA and qualified retirement accounts. If you're going to use a trust as a beneficiary, this person didn't have that done. The attorney didn't come back and update it. More than likely, the person, uh, she didn't know that that was needed to be done. And uh, our client who is inheriting that IRA where that went through a trust, all of that is going to be taxable this year. There's no way for the client to get out of it because, again, the rules around the IRA, the trust was the beneficiary, and the trust had not been 
updated. She also dealt with the aspect, and you guys hear me talk about this all the time, beneficiaries, beneficiaries, beneficiaries on all of your financial assets, checking account, savings account, CDs, annuities, life insurance, 401ks, IRA. It doesn't matter. If it is a financial asset, there should be the ability for you to fill out a beneficiary form that supersedes the will, supersedes a trust, if you're going to direct it directly to somebody. But the other thing I thought was interesting is I had numerous people come up to me that I guess they had listened to a podcast a while back and I was talking about it. And they said, we actually went and talked to our bank and they won't let us put a beneficiary form on joint accounts. If that's the case, go somewhere else. <laughs> as simple as that. The, you do not want that money going through an estate. Uh, the same client I mentioned earlier I was on the phone with today is some of the financial assets had beneficiary forms on them. The other assets did not. Those assets are going to have to go through probate. What does that mean? That means those assets are probably not going to be distributed for at least four to five months, where if it was a beneficiary form, which uh, we're helping her out with that. All that is going to be is we're just going to fill out some claim form with the various financial institutions, and boom, that money goes um, goes ahead and goes to the beneficiary. So again, real important. And you know, I was on the phone yesterday with uh, with a younger client, going over the need for these legal documents, and I thought it was interesting as to what he said. He said, you know. The reality is I know what you're telling me I have to do, but it is it, it is morbid. <laughs> and I joke with it. That's why no one wants to talk about it, right? But it is so important, especially that power of attorney. Uh, the power of attorney is really there, especially in today's world with HIPAA laws and with privacy laws. I mean, it is so important to have that done. All right. So the other thing I talked about just real briefly is we went over the different tax buckets. Remember, we've got tax deferred. So traditional IRA, 401k, 403b, what have you, qualified retirement accounts. We have taxable investments. That's where I got paid today. And then depending on where I investment is or where I invest it is how much I will pay in capital gains tax when that capital gain is recognized. And then, of course, the other one is going to be the Roth and the Roth 401k. That's all the IRS has right there. And then we looked at the, uh, I'm actually just going to read this out to you. So, in today's uh, current tax code, this is as of 2023, is if you are married filing jointly, you are in the 10% bracket. If your taxable income, everyone hear what I said? I said taxable income. That doesn't mean all your income is taxable. Okay, if your taxable income after deductions is zero to twenty-two thousand, you're in ten percent. Under the old rules, or what potentially could change beginning in twenty twenty-six, is if you're married filing jointly and your income is zero to eighteen thousand, you're at ten percent. Under today's code, twenty-two thousand to eighty-nine thousand five, you're at twelve percent. Ready for this? If we go back to the old rules, it's at eighteen six. Up to 75.9, you go to 15%. There's a 3% jump right there and a reduction. The new, the current ones go to almost $90,000. These only go to 76,000. And then here's the big one is because if I go from 89.5 to 190, I'm in the 22% bracket. And then if I go from 190 to 364, I'm in the 24% bracket. Listen to what happens if we go back to the old ones. 
75 9 to 153. That's a smaller bracket. I don't go to 22%, I go to 25%. And then from 153 to 233. Now I'm still below the top of the 24% bracket. Now I go to 28%. And then from 233 to 416, I go to 33%. So I can I think we all can see right there is that there is automatically going to be, if we go back to those old tax rates, the tax rates are going up. The bracket shrunk, the percentage increased as to how they're taxing it. And again, keep in mind, we have what's called a, um, a progressional tax rate, which means if I'm in the 24% bracket, that doesn't mean all my money is taxed at 24%, right? A certain amount is taxed at 10, then 12, then 22, 24. So what I'm looking at there is my effective tax rate. What am I effectively paying on all of my taxable income. The other thing is, you know, what they did is they, the standard uh, deduction drastically increased. Most people are taking a standard, including Maggie and I, for the last three years. Uh, but the standard deduction more than gets cut in half. Right now, it goes from 27.7 to 12.7. And then they have these exemptions, depending on uh, how many people are in the household. You know, so the reason I'm telling you this is because we have a couple more tax years under the current tax code that are going to be low, which means you want to be looking at proactive tax strategies. Does that mean that you're going to have to pay taxes today? Yes, but potentially eliminating them or reducing them for what the future is going to hold. And the other thing I think we all can agree, one of the things I brought up, and I read this in the Wall Street Journal, is as of the, the first 10 months of this uh, of our federal budget fiscal year, we are at $1.62 trillion in deficit. I read this morning in the Wall Street Journal, the CBO just came out, and they expect this year for us to be $2 trillion deficit. I think the reality is taxes are going to have to go up with how much we have put in the national debt over the course of the last four years, uh, three, four years. Uh, the last thing I'll talk about real quick, and that is the current investment climate. I had numerous clients this last summer who emailed me, called me, what have you, concerned. They, they had read something that, oh my gosh, the world's going to end. The investments, oh, everything's going to tank. We're going off the cliff, blah, blah, blah. And I just, I wanted to address that. And I brought up and I just did a quick search in the internet. And I found like four or five different quote experts talking about what the market was going to do. But the reality is everybody there is always going to be noise in the market. There's always going to be something going on, multiple things around the world where the people that are creating the headlines, keep in mind, they only have about three to three and a half seconds to catch your attention. And so some of these headlines are outlandish. But how is a way, you know, how can you combat that? Well, first of all, you just don't read it. <laughs> but second of all is understand you can have your money in varying buckets of risk. Everything from as safe as it can be, let's say sitting in a checking or savings account. Right now, I think mine at Ally is earning about four, four and a quarter, completely liquid. I can have some money in a, uh, in a protected account. Let's say I have some laddered CDs you know, protected there. Then I can have some uh, balanced accounts, maybe, you know, 40, 60% stock exposure, the balance in bonds. And then I can have my long-term growth, which is usually going to be 75, 80% stocks with the rest in bonds. The reality is, is that you want to have an understanding on what your behavioral finance is, what your, what your current 
position is in your financial life, for instance, Maggie and I just have money in two different places, and that is we have the emergency savings account, and everything else is in long-term growth. The reality is our time horizon is 15 to 16 years at least. So I got a long way before I'm ever going to start needing to look at that, making some changes, which will probably happen in about 10 to 11 years because then I'll want to be dialing back some risk, right? But not everyone is in that position. If you're older or closer to retirement or retired, maybe I need you really should probably consider money in all four buckets. But on the, on the same side, I've got clients that are retired, great pensions, great uh, Social Security income compared to expenses. They can take on more risk because the drawdown on what they have in their investment portfolio is really low compared to the other income and what their expense need is. But looking at all of that is so important. So when these crazy headlines come out, you don't have to panic. I did think it was kind of interesting. <laughs> One client sent me, uh, it was just like a little two-lane email, and I, or two-lane, two-line. And so I responded. I was like, hey, listen, can you forward this over to me? And so he did. And I, I went right through, and I clicked the link, and I read the whole thing, and I said I was interested, and good night, what was it? It was Sean Hannity's gold brokerage, whatever. <laughs> so the reality is look at all of the investments. All of your money doesn't have the same purpose, so you don't invest it all the same way, right? That is a way, in my opinion, you can overcome most of the time people are selling off of fear. And so to not fall into that trap, obviously what I said is you just don't look at it or you just have an understanding. I got money in different places. So even in the event last June happens when the market goes into a bear, COVID happens back in 2020, what have you, then you don't have to necessarily have all of your money subjected to that type of loss. So, but listen, that is a, that's a real quick recap on, on what we talked about. Again, if you have any questions about what I talked about, specifically the secure account, specifically your estate and financial planning, reach out to us, uh, speakwithmatt.com or 610-719-3003. Listen, everyone, that's all I've got for today. If you have a question or scenario you want us to address, email it to us, info at smartmoneyquestions.com or just go to smartmoneyquestions.com. There's a place right there you can submit it. We'll be more than happy to address it. Listen, everyone, take care. Hope it's been valuable. We'll talk soon.